0: Preach on Jesus' name this morning. This morning I have a sermon that I have have had the title scrawled in my Bible for probably three years. I listen to other preachers preach and they say, you know, I gotta re- uh, I gotta re- preach a sermon on on some thought, whatever. And uh, so title this morning, Are All Your Eggs in One Basket? Now, I don't know where the term or the saying came from. Never put all your eggs in one basket. I don't know if that came from, I suppose, a chicken farmer somewhere. And I would assume that the logic behind it all is that If all your eggs in one basket and you drop the one basket, then you lost all your eggs. So if you put them in two and you drop one, you have half of them left. I'm I'm not sure, but I've I've heard that statement. Never put all your eggs in one basket. And uh, in business, um, you know if, if, if if. Someone is manufacturing something, and they sell to only one retailer. That's uh, pretty risky. Um, what happens if the real retailer decides to use some other supplier? You are totally and completely out of business, unless you can quick scramble and get some get someone else. Um, never invest all your money in one spot. Um, two three years ago, an investment company in Ohio, run by an Anabaptist, and uh, because the owner was owner of the investment company was Anabaptist, I guess everybody thought that their money was secure, and um, unfortunately, some people put everything all their savings in this company and um, one day the FBI was parked at the door and that was the end of A&M Investments. Seventeen million dollars. Seventeen million dollars. Farming, uh, diversify your crops. Another saying now you hear sometimes, always have plan B, always have plan B, you know something that work out in plan A, just make sure you have plan B. Good business advice I'd say so I'd say so. Good spiritual advice never so why is it good in business advice to spread our commitments around. Well, that's because there's a possibility of failure in somebody's part. Businesses can change suppliers, banks can default, corn prices can go through the floor, Um, life's full of uncertainty. Put all your eggs in one basket, things in the world, pretty risky business. The world has more than its share of its, of various shysters and pettifoggers. I threw the pettifoggers in there for Hoover. <clears throat> he can figure that out now. Lack of trust in the world is definitely healthy. Lack of trust in the world is definitely healthy. but I'd like to propose this morning to you that if we're going to be Christ-like and if we're going to experience Christian victory in our life we must put all our eggs in one basket we must live without plan B if we're going to experience victory, if we're going to be a true Christian you say, why? Well, first of all, anything less than full commitment to God exposes our lack of faith in God. Like I said, lack of faith in the world and in business is healthy, lack of faith in God is fatal. See, if we have a lack of faith in God, we will always have plan B. You know, if God doesn't produce, if it doesn't work out the way I want it to be, and if God's not doing things my way, then, I'll, then I have plan B, I can do it some other way. So I'm thinking, so who who in the Bible put all their eggs in one basket? Who in the Bible didn't have plan B? And I thought about that. And I thought about a list of people in the Bible, a pretty long list of people in the Bible, that had no plan B. And I thought of Hebrews 11. You can turn there. Hebrews 11. Verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. Okay, we have a man here that God is telling him something that no one has ever seen before. Moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. All right, God said, Noah, built yourself a boat, twice as long as the Bible School and built it twice as high as the gymnasium because it's gonna rain. And Noah had to think, rain? What's rain? God said there's going to be a flood Noah thought flood how can you have a flood without rain no rain no floods no animals maybe not very many in sight if there was any no encouragement outside his family and rest assured there had to be some decision making in Noah's mind before he set out to build this boat Why as the Bible School twice as long and twice as high as the gymnasium somewhere along the line he had to decide whether he's going to stay with plan A or he's going to, stay with, or going to go to plan B Noah had the opportunity to say this is ridiculous. I'm going to plan B. After all how big a boat do you have to have to hold you and your wife and your children? Not 75 feet wide, 45 feet high and 450 feet long. Did he go to plan B? No, he didn't go to plan B. He put all his eggs in one basket. A hundred and twenty years worth of eggs in his basket. And the Bible says he moved with fear, and because he put all his eggs in one basket, he didn't go to plan B. It says that he saved his house, he condemned the world, and he became an heir of righteousness. Then there's Abraham. God says, pack up and take off but only God knows where. Abraham was human Abraham could have said ridiculous I got at least know where we're heading for he could have re- reverted to plan B and you know in Abraham's experience there's a time where he did revert to plan B when he had a child by Hagar And we're still dealing with that problem. We're still dealing with that problem. But it's encouraging when it came to offer Isaac on the altar, no plan B's for Abraham. No, no plan B. In verse 10, it says... He looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. God says, take off and go to God knows where. And Abraham says, I know where. It said he looked for a foundation whose builder and maker is God. Now, my nephew once said, and I think it's a pretty good illustration... That faith is kind of like driving down the road at night in a car with your headlights on. Now, if I take off and I want to go say, to Pittsburgh can, shine, can my light shine to Pittsburgh? Uh, how far does your light shine? Several hundred feet, five hundred feet maybe? I don't know if you've got good headlights. The headlights illuminate enough for you to know that you are safe in traveling and if you make good decisions based on that 300, 500, whatever feet the headlights shine then you're going to get to Pittsburgh. Even though you don't know what all is going to transpire between here and there. But you go as you see. But you have to be committed to go to Pittsburgh. See? You have to be committed to go to Pittsburgh, or else you never end up in Pittsburgh. You see, our faith in Christ must be Carry an element of finality, it must carry an element of finality. faith in Christ must carry an element of finality see we we understand that you know uh, when the wedding comes up you know, and the couple sit in the front and the preacher says, you still really want to get married, you come up here and and, and he says, You know go through the vows, and I'll pronounce you husband and wife.' we believe that the Bible teaches and we behave like that's it done deal sealed no other options no plan B right no plan B Health and in sickness, prosperity and adversity, sealed. There's no out. If you fall out, you have to work it out somehow. See the element of finality. And it's interesting to me. Interesting to me, like God in in, in the in the scriptures, it compares the husband-wife relationship with the Christ and the church. See, there's no out. We made the commitment. We're not backing out. Health, sickness, adversity, whatever. It's a done deal. Faith and marriage has to have an element of finality. Or else, we will have plan B. Don't work in marriage, don't work in faith. And that element of finality puts us up on a pinnacle, if you want to call it that, a pinnacle of truth that changes the viewpoint of everything that happens around us. Everything that happens around us. You know, if a marriage leaves options, plan B, the whole landscape changes. The whole landscape changes. Everything that happens in that marriage is, is, is up for grabs. It's all variable. There's always an, always a way out. Always, you know, if, if bad comes to worse, I can get another husband, I can get another wife, I can do this, I can do that, and all this. The whole landscape changes, and that's exactly the way it is with faith. Unless we put it on a pinnacle of truth and there's uh, and an element of finality, everything will be variable. Everything in our spiritual experience is changed by the element of finality of my commitment to Christ. And that pinnacle of truth is that God is absolutely wise and he is absolutely trustworthy and everything else is sinking sand that is the truth of faith God becomes big and our ideas become little you see there's no other basket to put eggs in two there's only one Turn with me to John 6. Brother Dwight read this last week. Incredibly sad words. Verse 66. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. So you think they lost the religion? I probably doubt it. They just changed churches. I don't know. That's my imagination. You know, we can we can we can, we can make our plan b pretty logical so that's that's just but they had plan b the bible says they walk no more with him and then Jesus says to the 12 you have plan b are you going to are you going to go away too Peter said, there's no other baskets. There's only one basket. I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. Peter says, Lord, where would we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. You know, when we as Christians revert to plan B, we've just sliced our own throat. Spiritual suicide. Heard recently a man was in business, uh, incredible business debt. Uh, Was not told, but implied that probably in the millions. Amounts that he couldn't pay, probably never pay. And he prayed that God would get him out of his financial bind. And God didn't do it. See, he was selling his product for less than what it was costing to produce it. And God somehow or the other couldn't make up the difference. He was too small. So he gave up on God. now what happened first he had God and debt now he has debt and no God Mm -hmm. what do they call that? jumping from the frying pan into the fire isn't that what they call it? You know, sometimes we complain and we and we wonder why we don't have the spiritual power in our life that we should. You know, what could be the reason? Plan B. Can the Holy Spirit work in my life? This is a question. Can the Holy Spirit truly work in my life if I secretly always keep a plan B? Just in case things get too tough. Is my faith really biblical, godly faith? if I always leave myself an option of turning back? What would this congregation look like if everybody carried the attitude, well, it all has to go my way or I'm out of here. I mean, I'm out of here tomorrow. What would happen? I heard of a congregation a multiple ones where they got small enough where the people said, you know, if one more family leaves, it's all over. And I could probably identify with that logic. You know, you get so small, you struggle and struggle and hardly make it go. However, I heard in another case where the preacher said, "I'm here if it only ends up with me and my wife." All right. If everybody else decides to go, I'm I'm in I'm in for. I mean, I'm here, and and it you know, I, I'm not I'm not. There's, there's no op- other options here. And it's interesting that church did go down, and a lot of people left but today it's packed full and I think it has something to do with at least the preacher's perspective is my faith does my faith have an eternal irrevocable element And despite anything that happens, I still say, Lord, where would I go? Where would I go? You have the words of eternal life. See, if I think that God doesn't understand, and I think that God just don't care, and I think that God, you know, He just... uh, somehow his hands are tied and I, th- I think all these things then I'm not going to have the faith in God I must believe and I must rest in the fact of what and who God is I must that's where it starts and faith isn't the ability to just visualize something that you can't see Faith is the ability to trust God under all circumstances, whether you see or whether you don't see. What are the two final realities? Someone tell me. Everything's done everything's shook down the world's burned up it's all over what are the two final realities heaven or hell, heaven or hell. right heaven's going to be a reality hell's going to be a reality so we have two options we have faith in God or total <coughs> spiritual collapse that's your two options that's my two options faith in the eternal God who is absolutely perfect and his ways are absolutely perfect I can take that option or I can go to plan B total spiritual collapse and eventually eternal fire where do you want your eggs (laughs) nothing in the middle you know God's not going to say you go to heaven you go to hell and I'm not sure where you're going you can just hang out in the middle there somewhere if I believe God is perfect and if I believe that his ways are perfect then I must follow his ways see if I don't follow his ways if I don't obey then I am saying I don't trust him I got better ideas plan B is better than plan A And then when I start obediently following God, my life becomes active for God. I'm not sitting around bemoaning the fact that this ain't happening or that ain't happened or, or flaunting the fact that I'm the bishop of Prairie Mennonite Church or I'm a Sunday school teacher or whatever, I have a successful business or whatever it may be. I will simply meet the conditions of the scriptures of this book Because I know that is my only option if I want to end up where I want to end up. I don't have plan B. And as I obey and as I work and as I follow the scriptures and I follow the teaching of scripture, I become obedient to the scriptures, that brings solid anticipation of my future. You see, when I go to plan B, I have just jeopardized or destroyed my future. Jeopardized it at best. Destroyed it at worst. No expectations. How can God bless me? How can he lead me? How can he direct me? How can I end up in heaven if I'm always on plan B? If I don't have any expectations, do I have faith? Abraham had vision. He had expectations. He was looking for a city. He was looking for a city. He didn't know where that that trip was going to end up, but he knew it was going to be right because God told him to go. What is my vision this morning? What are my goals in relation to my next level of spiritual commitment? Do I have vision? Do I have anticipation that God's going to do more for me next year or this year than he did last year? Or is my life just an a habitual ritual? Same old thing, day after day after day. Do I have an habitual ritual of plan B's? I know what God wants. I know what His Word says. I know what He expects. I know what it's going to take to be successful, but I'm not willing to pay the price. So I go to plan B. To somehow or the other something doesn't quite make sense and I don't have all the information so until I have all the information then we're on plan B. Am I committed without reserve to Jesus Christ? Am I committed without reserve to his bride, the church? Philippians 3. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you, to me. Pardon me. Indeed, it is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. And have no confidence in the flesh. Notice the decision-making here. Though I might have had confidence in the flesh, if any other man think he had thereof he might trust in the flesh, I am more, circumcised in the eighth day of stock of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews, of touching the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ? Yea, doubtless, and I call all things for lost but lost. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord to I am suffered the loss of all things and do count them but done that I may win Christ and be found in him not having mine own righteousness which is of the law but that which is through the faith in Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead Paul says, my eggs are in one basket, I'm going all the way because I want to be with those that are resurrected to life in Christ Jesus. I press for the hot prize, he says in verse 14. Oh, I just keep reading. Pardon me, I quit too soon. Not as though I already attained, neither were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. My brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto the things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many be perfect, be less minded, and if anything ye are other-minded, God shall reveal unto this unto you. Paul says, I don't have plan B. My eggs are all in one basket. I am going. I have the vision. I am on the road. There's no way out. Hebrews 11 back to Hebrews 11 verse 13 These all died in faith, not having received the promises. But having seen them afar off, and were what? Everyone? Persuaded. Altogether? Persuaded. Persuaded of them and altogether embraced them and altogether confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth for they that say such thing declare plainly that they seek a country and truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out they might have had opportunity to have returned but now they desire a better country. That is heavenly. Wherefore God is, next two words altogether, not, not ashamed. ashamed. God blushing this morning about your decisions, about my decision, my plan Bs. God is not ashamed to be their god for he hath prepared for them a city you want to go there you want to go there all your eggs have to be in one basket no plan b let's kneel together in prayer